All right, welcome to the State of the Lakers brought to you by Dash Radio. Thank you guys so much for coming to hang out on a Tuesday. A lot of Laker basketball to talk over the next, I think we're playing four times in the next six days, counting tonight. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, game days, a lot of opportunities for the Lakers to undo some of the nasty taste that we have in our mouth from this five-game losing streak. Looked like it was going to go south a few times tonight, but LeBron didn't let that happen. Um, so I'm glad that for the first time, in a long time, Raj, you and I can talk about a Laker win. How are you doing, buddy? I am doing well, man. Uh, yeah, the last Laker win was the Austin Reeves game winner, which feels like two years ago. Um, but yeah, a lot of Laker games coming up here. Tomorrow, again, one against Memphis. But how are you, man? How is your week going? It is going good. I'm prepping for my first ski trip of the year, and i looking at nice. the weather and seeing all this snow dropping on the mountain I'm going to, so I'm pretty stoked about that. But hey, man, uh, let's get, let's dive right into it. So I thought I thought the story of tonight's game uh, was the Lakers finally kind of leaning into their identity, and I think we saw that right away with the starters. Mm-hmm. Something that we've been preaching for this entire season: this idea that this could be one of the best drive and kick basketball teams that we've ever seen, because you see so many guys on the floor that are capable of beating a guy at the point of attack and making reads and passes out of that for high quality offense. It's something that I thought the Clippers had nailed down to a science last year in the playoffs. And they were doing it with lesser players. They were doing it with Paul George as their best player with Reggie Jackson, doing a lot of that driving kick work. They, they didn't have anywhere near the personnel in terms of that specific skill set that the Lakers had. And it was so infuriating for me and for you as well, Raj, to watch this team try to actively sabotage that specific skill set. You know, they're so good at driving the ball to the basket, but we would play multiple bigs. We'd play a bunch of non-shooters. We'd be in a situation where we had our drive and kick guys taking off the dribble, pull up jump shots just about every time down the floor at the start of these games. And obviously there's a lot still to work through. I don't understand why they didn't play Dwight at all tonight. I would have played him staggered with LeBron that said, Mm -hmm. I loved what we saw from the starting lineup. I thought you saw everyone look comfortable. Russ had a lot of bad Russ moments tonight, but he also had a lot of good Russ moments. And I thought he looked comfortable driving and kicking. LeBron looked comfortable getting to the basket. Malik Monk looked comfortable, even mellow operating in his little isolation sets, just the space that he had to operate. He just looked so comfortable. And with that team operating with confidence, and especially as their two best defensive forwards come back, Ariza and Reeves, this team will get enough stops to where if they can replicate this offense, they're going to be a tough team to beat. And then you plug Anthony Davis into that and it gets even more exciting. But that was, that was, I thought the story of the game, Raj, starting Stanley Johnson and dropping Dwight Howard, leaning into a five-out offense, driving kick, driving kick, driving kick, and just all of our offensive players feeling comfortable. What did you think? Yeah, and it wasn't just Stanley Johnson, right? It was putting Malik Monk in for THT. Yep. And I thought that was very important. It looked like the offense flowed a lot better. And this feels like we've really just leaned into, and I've been on this from, like, I think the fifth or sixth game of the season. To me, this season is about maximizing rust. It's about making sure lineups are kind of induced to – help him play better, kind of fit around his skill sets. You know, we have the missed dunks and stuff like that. But there's still a good player in where in Russ. There's still a effective player. There's still a winning player there. And I think that starting lineup kind of pushes those correct buttons. I put in my notes here. Our first or second basket was a Russ, you know, left to right, drive right to the rim. And he got to the rim a lot tonight. 
there was a lot of missed miss layups still at the basket, but he's getting to the basket, and I thought that's kind of what we saw with the spacing, with that new starting lineup. Malik Monk and LeBron have had a instant chemistry, I thought, just you know from the beginning of the season. I think when he was out, we missed his offense. He has a punch to him where like he can he can drive to the basket or shoot. I feel like every time he gets into the dip of his jumper, I think it's going in. Like that's how clean it looks uh, when he's spawning up. But he's just been him and LeBron have a nice chemistry, man, and that that stands out. But yeah, I thought the starting lineup really helped Russ um, get going. And still, there's some bad passes, some awful turnovers that Russ does, and those kind of glare out more when you don't have Anthony Davis to kind of take some of those possessions away. So you see more when you, you know, up Russ's usage, you get you up the turnovers. He also up the numbers, right? And I think he got another triple-double tonight. Uh, but yeah, that's what I think the starting lineup did, man. There's still a lot of defensive concerns. To me, we gave up a lot of points, especially the backup, you know, center position, which is Carmelo right now. But yeah, man, Stanley Johnson looks good. Again, him and LeBron are able to switch actions. And they, is it me or just Stanley Johnson just look huge in that, like in any lineup? He's, 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 like, he a, just he's looked, a big dude. <laughs> but he just looks like like massive like he's like he was dropped out of another era and just dropped in you know like he just looks absolutely like he doesn't fit with the players that are on the floor it's like darren Carlson and then you know avery bradley and then it's like stanley johnson him and lebron looked almost same size sometimes uh, and they're able to switch and i thought you know that looked good he's still not hitting his jumper he's still not scoring you know at any kind of rate but he looked good man and it looked like this lineup is inducive to Russ. We've leaned fully into the LeBron small ball. LeBron is playing exclusively at center now, which is crazy, kind of the the switch we've done. Yeah, Stan, Stanley's a big dude. I, uh, he went, he <laughs> came through Tucson to go to the University of Arizona, mm-hmm. and I was fortunate to get to play basketball against him a lot over the year that he was there. And I can speak from personal experience that he's just a massive human. And what's funny is he was massive like that coming right out of high school. That's a mm-hmm. little similarity between him and LeBron is that <laughs> they both they both had their grown man body when they were like 17. Yeah. Who, who the heck knows how that happens? You know, so Malik Monk, you're starting to see a little bit of his cutting chemistry with LeBron, which is something that mm-hmm. we, we've all we've seen throughout LeBron's career. Players, as they learn how to operate off the ball with LeBron, they kind of over the course of time playing with him, they figure out where their opportunities were. And we saw a lot of backdoor cuts from Malik Monk today, which is interesting because that's why Avery Bradley has had so much success uh, uh, playing with LeBron, cutting on the backside, just kind of sneaking around and staying a threat uh, even when he's not at the three-point line. And so that's the, the, the instant chemistry with Malik and LeBron comes from three things, his ability to cut off the ball to his ability to attack closeouts in a more complicating way, meaning uh, a complicated way, excuse me, like he can make complicated finishes around shot blockers at the basket. He can make floaters. He can make pull-up jump shots. He can also do the the next level reads out of those closeouts. And then lastly, he's a shooter. He can knock down shots at a high rate. So when you put those three things together, that's like your ideal off-ball LeBron teammate. Now, defensively, he was all over the place tonight. And that's the next thing um, that, that this team's got to figure out is how to get more stops with these smaller lineups. And I think a lot of it will just be you know, taking, you know, because the Lakers only played eight guys tonight, which I thought was really interesting for a couple different reasons. First of all, they're on the front end of a back to back, you know, so <laughs> ideally right. you'd want to play a deeper rotation. But again, it's the COVID circumstances at play here as well. The part that I got confused with is Dwight should have played like Dwight. Mm-hmm. Dwight is a quality backup NBA center. He has to be in the lineup unless he's hurt or dealing with conditioning problems, which that very well may be the case. We don't know. Um, but he was playing the other day, so I, I don't really understand. But it was interesting that they kept the rotation 
super short under the circumstances. But when you get guys back in there like Reeves, like Ariza, now that becomes a, a 10-man small ball rotation. And now we, yeah. now we can kind of ask for more out of those guys defensively. Because in an eight-man rotation like that, you just end up with guys playing big minutes. And when they play big minutes, that's when they start paying really close attention to their own personal fatigue. Like how much, how much longer can they hold down the turbo? Like we have Stanley played 32 minutes tonight, which I'm fine with. I want him to play big minutes, but Avery Bradley, 31 minutes. That's a lot. Carmelo Anthony, 28 minutes. That's a lot. Like you're asking guys that are going to experience a drop off in their defensive effort as their minutes increase, as guys get back from the COVID protocols, they should be Mm -hmm. able to be in a more traditional, you know, here's your two shifts or here's your one shift. You play your ass off while you're in there. And then, you know, we'll, we can actually expect more from you defensively. So they got to figure out how to get more stops to that group. But I just think it's really cool because this is the identity of basketball that I've been pining for this entire past 18 months. This is modern basketball. Modern basketball is five out. That's what we did. Mm -hmm. That's that, that's the best way to maximize offensive talent in today's NBA. And again, it's just about can you get stops with these smaller, primarily offensive minded players? And I think they can. They're just going to have to kind of figure that part out. But this is this is kind of my idealized version of the way this team would play offense. Yeah. And with like with Russ playing, you're almost never always five out, right? Because he's going to be the one kind of that's that's inside. But tonight, like LeBron played, uh, you brought up the minutes that all these guys are playing. You know, we played the eight-man rotation. LeBron played 39 minutes tonight, but it didn't look like it was too much for him. It didn't look like it was too much of a heavy kind of load for him. A lot of his offense was just, you know, throw it into the post and let him play make out of that. Jason, I think our offense is getting better. It looks like we've added a lot of kind of actions and stuff, a lot of off-ball stuff, right? We're getting a lot of baskets off cuts. Um, we're, we're running, like, a lot more split actions on, on weak sides and stuff that are involving our shooters like Malik Monk and Carmelo run a lot of offside actions. And it's cool to kind of see that we also spam like the guard screen rolls that are, that are doing. And LeBron's LeBron's playing center, but he's still playing a lot of point guard. A lot of his stuff is just oh, playmaking. Yeah. Point guard uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's still doing a lot of playmaking, which I think is easier for him. His playmaking again is coming out of the post or just, you know, guard screens and try to make decisions out of that. Didn't look too difficult. Houston's not a great team, right? They don't have, you know, a really great, they don't play defense that well. I think they're one of the worst defensive teams in the league, but it was nice to just to see that. And again, it's not, we can't really be picky right now with wins, six, five losses in a row. So it's nice to just kind of flip the script there. But yeah, I think we're, we're, we're getting better on offense, man. If we can fill these wings in and both of us would like Dwight to play, but I think we'd much rather have this be the, have this be the place where they lean into, right? You'd rather them lead into the small ball identity um, rather than, you know, lean into the two bigs and then go with the small ball here and there. They lean in all the way, and I don't like how rigid it is. I, I do think Dwight can play a few minutes here and there. I still think he's a serviceable backup center, especially those mellow at the five minutes. Those are really a struggle. Although, you know, Stanley Johnson next to him makes it a little bit better. Yeah, he's Stanley technically Dun- the five. I mean, the, I, the way I'd look at it in terms of the athleticism. Yeah, exactly. And he definitely makes those lineups a little bit better. It still feels like a layup line a lot because, you know, Stanley's usually still on the perimeter. Melo likes to stay in the paint, which makes sense. Can't really move his feet. 
Um, and again, that's where I think Dwight can come in. But, you know, Russ in, in those second units gets to the basket a little bit more. I do think the finishing should get a little bit better at the basket, right? People don't usually shoot 40% or 45% at the rim. Uh, but he's getting there, and that and that's a good thing. But, yeah, they've leaned all the way in to this super small ball, which makes it fascinating when, you know, Reeves, Ariza, all those guys get back because they are kind of built to play in this kind of this kind of system. We'll see if LeBron can kind of continue to hold up at center. But it's nice that they've leaned into it. Uh, and it took what 25 30 games to get to, to get there but it's good that we're here and hopefully ad can kind of come back and, and fill those spots but it, it's, it was fun to kind of watch tonight uh at least the offense right and i think this really does help russ uh be able to pick his game up too so my argument for playing dwight is the fact that he's a good nba player i know that mm-hmm. he didn't look good coming out of the locker room but like i've said to you so many times when you lock a guy in the locker room or excuse me in a, sure when you lock a guy in a hotel room for 10 days, he's going to struggle to quickly adapt back to playing NBA basketball. That's just kind of part of the deal there. Yeah. And that I would imagine that's even exaggerated for big guys, you know, because mm-hmm. so much of what they do is based on their motor and their conditioning. My reasoning for playing Dwight is the exact same reason why you don't play DeAndre Jordan. You know, you're playing DeAndre Jordan because you feel like you need a center, but he's actually like one of the worst players in the NBA. So actually what you're doing is you're just putting one of the worst players in the NBA out there. Well, Mm -hmm. with Dwight, we're having issues with talent, especially with Anthony Davis out. We're bringing in guys off the street. We got guys like Darren Collison, who we might talk about later. He may or may not still be an NBA player. But the point is, is Dwight is very much a completely passable, maybe even good backup NBA center. He just has to be, mm-hmm. he has to be out there. And then the flip side of that is like kind of bringing this to LeBron. Cause I do want to go in the direction of LeBron here. You know, LeBron at center is easy on his body against most of the teams in the league. Like a night, like tonight, LeBron had no issues playing center against Houston. They're thin. Yeah. Christian Wood wants to take him out on the perimeter and take jump shots. Anyway, there's, it's just not labor intensive. And you saw that literally at the end of the game, after playing all those minutes, he dunked all over Christian Wood like he wasn't even there. So the, the point is, is like physically he's fine there. But let's say Carl Anthony Towns tomorrow. Let's say, you know, Nikola Jokic down the line. Let's say, you know, these Joel Embiid. When you're playing against these bigger centers, I think that's where you're starting to talk about, okay, can LeBron do this physically for 39 minutes a night. Is that a good idea? That's why I would keep Dwight in there as your Mm -hmm. backup center, have him play a couple shifts every night, you know, in the minutes where you'd normally have mellow at center and essentially just keep him engaged and in shape and prepared to then have the bigger role against the bigger centers. And then what I would do like, like tomorrow night against, uh, uh, Carl Anthony, excuse me, they play Memphis. So they play, uh, uh, Steven Adams. So mm-hmm. I'm wrong about that, but oh, I think we played Minnesota a couple games from now, if I'm not mistaken, maybe later this week. But anyway, mm-hmm. against Steven Adams, like rather than go big and put Dwight on Steven Adams, what I would do is I'd just say like LeBron's starting at center, run them off the floor. Like with that lineup, just run, 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 run. Maybe Steven gets a couple offensive rebounds here or there, but over the course of the, that stretch of basketball, you have the advantage. And then I'd bring Dwight in and have him spell in the, in the non LeBron minutes. But I, I wanted to talk about LeBron for a minute because I, I, I think what you're seeing here is kind of an idealized version of him. And I, and I don't think it's coincidental because, you know, he did dunk on Christian Wood tonight, but this hasn't been a year for him 
as a high flyer. So you can kind of, uh, we can all kind of admit to the fact that physically he's not the same guy that he was, you know, back in 2018. That goes without saying. However, his efficiency is up across the board. I tweeted about this earlier today. He right now is shooting a higher percentage in the restricted area than he has in any of his years since he left Miami. That's a, that's an awesome number, especially when you factor in how many of his minutes at the beginning of the season were alongside DeAndre Jordan. But he's also shooting near the top of his career highs for shots in the mid-range and his overall true shooting percentage. He's just, he's just having an extremely efficient scoring season. And I think a big part of that is this recent move into this modern idea of what basketball should be, this five-out basketball. And to your point about LeBron playing the point, his assist numbers are down this year because he's been so deferential to Russ and he's done mm-hmm. so much work as a screener and off the ball. But what you saw tonight is what the team needs to be. LeBron needs to defer to Russ only when he's fatigued or when he's out of the game. And when he's on the floor, he needs to play that role. This team has always been at their best when LeBron's a 10 assist guy and not a five assist guy. You know what I mean? Like when LeBron's at the top of the key, surrounded by shooters or at the elbow, surrounded by shooters and cutters, just picking you apart with his brain. That's when he's at his best. And then what inevitably ends up happening is guys all glue up to their man and now he's playing one-on-one basketball and that's how he ends up with these super efficient shooting numbers. But again, what you saw tonight is a little bit different than what we've seen from LeBron for a lot of this season because he's been deferring to Russ so much. And I think we need to kind of try to bottle that up a little bit and repeat it moving forward. Have LeBron make more of the decisions have Russ, when LeBron's on the floor, be more of an off-ball guy. Because what you saw there is peak LeBron ball. Top of the key, elbow extended, one of those two spots, either with a live dribble or out of triple threat, just picking you apart. That's where he's at his best. Yeah, and we're starting to play him with really nice cutters, right? I think, again, going back into Malik Monk, I think that's a big part of it as well. Playing with guys who move off the ball. Avery Bradley's not a shooter, but he is a nice cutter, and I thought he got a lot of baskets off that. And again, it looks like we're getting into second and third kind of production of our offense as well like we're getting into more movement a lot more cutting uh, and lebron's able to just find guys it's it's interesting the russ you know lebron dynamic there because i think the starting lineup is all intertwined into that as well like the our late game offense tonight was just lebron in the post or it was also russ lebron screen and roll right like russ was able to attack the basket i think he got a layup off it uh he found lebron twice cutting and you're getting to see lebron as a cutter with like which i think is great when, when he's at the center position, that's just a really tough cover. Uh, you have Russ LeBron running a screen roll. LeBron rolls, and him as a roller, it just creates a whole bunch of havoc. If you don't help on that, he's able to dunk on you still. Uh, you talked about the dunk on, I think, Christian Wood. He had the layup at the end as well. You're seeing just a full transformation, and he's been just incredible. I think it's, what, 30, 30 in like 13 games this year, which is uh, tied for, I believe, Trey Young. I think Pickup Hoop tweeted that out. Uh, but, yeah, he's just been incredible this season, man. And his jumper, too. Every time he shoots, I think it's it's pretty much going in now and becoming just a great jab step pull up jump shooter this year, um, and then just has a cutter. But he's been awesome. The team hasn't you know matched his play, which has been sad. But it's been great to at least see him still be at that level. He's still at a top three you know pro- producing player in this league, and I think that's the most important thing 
for the season. And we're starting to put players around him that kind of make things easier for him, which was the whole point of putting an offensive, you know, latent team around him. And you're seeing the kind of advantages of that again tonight, 39 minutes. I just didn't think it was too difficult. Houston's defense is part of that. Uh, they're not great. They lose guys off ball all the time, all the time, but this is just the role I think he'll be in. And I think it'll be fascinating also when AD comes back, how he kind of fits around it too. But yeah, LeBron was great, man. It was just throwing it, throw it to him in the post. If they trap, he finds the cutter. If not, it's a fadeaway jumper. It's a bully ball to the basket. I think he only had like three free throws with like three minutes left or something. Still not getting to the line uh, as much as you would think. Uh, but he's just been awesome. He's been getting to the basket. He's, I have no complaints uh, about LeBron. These last six games, uh, yeah, six games. Uh, so five of them have been losses. But I think he's played well in all of them, which is which is great. Well, people need to adjust their expectations. Like, well, given the personnel that we've had at our disposal over the course of the last couple of weeks, winning NBA basketball games is damn near impossible. That's just the reality of the situation. We're, we're trying to project forward here. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what's kind of exciting about this is it's not like 2019 where LeBron's groin injury was completely devastating to any chance of making the playoffs because of the fact that the West was so deep that you had to be significantly over 500 to get in. Like, like I said, in a couple pods ago, the Lakers could hover around 500 this whole time that Anthony Davis is out and still easily end up with the four or five seed. Like that's very much on the table because mm-hmm. of the fact that the West is, is pretty weak. And then obviously like the most exciting part about it is Anthony Davis, I think is an awesome plug and play guy into a five out system. I think yeah. he could be. I think he could be devastating in a five-out system, attacking closeouts just because of his outrageous size and ability to handle the basketball. And especially if he's not that first guy, when you're not depending on him to beat somebody out of a standstill, but rather attacking closeouts. I think he could be so 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 good at that. Um, but you know, looking forward at the style, like this is because you had mentioned, you know, Houston's a bad defense, and that's true. That needs to be acknowledged here. However. The reality is, is five out basketball is extremely difficult to guard because everyone's in space. And as we know, it's just really difficult 25 feet from the basket to keep somebody in front of you, no matter how good you are. That's that, especially when you've got players, the caliber of LeBron and the caliber of Russ, which say what you want about Russ. And he's had a boatload of issues this year. God knows I've been one of the guys pointing those out, but he does not have have a problem beating guys off the dribble. You know what I mean? That's not his issue. So the point is, is like that in general, this style gets very difficult to guard. For instance, Utah last year, I think they were the number three defense in the entire league. They had a scheme that worked for them in the day in and day out system in the, in the regular season. However, Mm -hmm. they get, they ran into the Clippers, the Clippers spaced them out and suddenly they had a 130 defensive rating in that series. One. 30. Can you, can you imagine how like that is atrocious? They could not get a stop against the Clippers and the Clippers didn't even really have that much talent relative to some of the other teams they would have had to face to make it to the championship, which is exactly why I've been preaching about this so much guys. Like this is how basketball works these days. If you, you need to get guys out in space because it's just extremely difficult to cover them, no matter how good you are, at a specific position defensively. Rudy Gobert was useless in that series, and it wasn't his fault. It's just that they spaced him out. He was out of the play. He would step over and rotate to help on a drive. They'd kick it out to the corner, and the next guy would get beat, 
and it'd be over. Or the next guy wouldn't even make the rotation and he'd make a three. It's just difficult to, 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 to even attempt to stop people when they're in this kind of system, which is, takes me to what excites me about this team, because not only are they capable of it offensively, but in theory, there are lineups that exist on this roster, lineups especially now that Stanley Johnson is on the roster, but you could go with LeBron, Anthony Davis, Trevor Reza, Stanley Johnson, and someone like Russ. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, take your pick. Which guy are you going to try to drive by? Okay, so you've decided it's Austin Reeves or Stanley Johnson or Russell Westbrook. Cool. Well, the other four guys on the floor are all 6'8 and can run and, and can cover ground. So it's like, you know, that the Lakers were always built to play this modern style of basketball. And this has been one of the things that I've been so frustrated about with Frank. He just was really slow to accept that. And I thought tonight when I saw that starting lineup come out, I immediately got excited because I was like, you don't put that starting lineup out there unless you finally understand that this is the strength of your team. So it it definitely is exciting. Yeah. And I think, you know, THD has had a really rough, you know, a few games and uh, you had a comparison to THD as well uh, today that that a lot of people jumped on for, Uh, but he's a good defender to me. And I thought, you know, tonight, that's why I was kind of frustrated. I wish they switched more actions. And I thought that's kind of, the team that we'll eventually see um, they were still doing like trapping and try to get back. And I thought, you know, any screen action that LeBron that involves LeBron THT and Stanley Johnson, uh, I would have loved to see them just switch any of that. It's kind of interesting how the season has kind of gone. Right. Because again, I keep talking about how we were sold this starting lineup to start the year. And obviously Ariza being hurt was kind of the excuse, I guess, or the reason uh, or however you want to call it for them going into the other to leaning into the other way of that. Right. And I think it's interesting. You could have, you could think of like there was two ways to go with that. You could have found like a facsimile of Riza, or you could, or they went right back into this two big lineup. And I think I would have loved to see what that looked like. Like if Bays could have just filled in for Riza during that time, how different does this team look? Do they gel a little bit earlier? Like you, those are questions that probably we can't answer anymore. But that's stuff that's really interesting, interesting to me. But that's kind of where this team is going. Uh, you talked about you know Stanley Johnson playing a bunch of minutes now. We'll see if he stay. We'll see if he stays. Right, I hope he does. It looks like he's shown enough, but they still have to, I think, cut someone to kind of keep him. But that just that player kind of archetype, him Ariza next to LeBron, like that's a really interesting five. It looks like we're just gonna go with the super small ball lineups. I think it's. I think it's really telling that DeAndre Jordan can't get a you know single minute or even Dwight Howard to a lesser extent. I think Dwight will eventually get in the rotation, but DeAndre Jordan cannot get off the floor uh, when we're playing, like you said, eight guys in the uh, first of a back-to-back. Like that's really telling to me. Like that's kind of showing where the team is and where it's going. And uh, I think it shows for positive, positive positivity going forward. I would let, I want to see still Kendrick Nunn get some time. I think Darren Collison is interesting, right? He's still he looks like he's still trying to, you know, catch up to being ca- caught up. Like he's like two weeks, he's like a week away from being a week away, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is the way I would see it. Like he's like a step slower than everybody, which makes sense. He had a nice drive on the baseline tonight to get a basket, but you can tell he's just not in any kind of basketball conditioning. It doesn't matter how much, how much in shape you stay. Uh, but again, I think he's just a fill in until Kendrick Nunn gets back. And I think those are just player archetypes that so you can kind of see and see the vision here a little bit. I'm still on the, like, I need to see more wins, I guess, because this is going to be a really big stretch here. Uh, I think we play, we play Memphis tomorrow. Who's a, who's been killing uh, everyone that they play. They got John Morant back. Um, it's going to be interesting if they can kind of hover around 500. Uh, you said the standings, 
have kind of leveled off to where the middle of the pack is all still kind of bunched up and you can kind of catch up. But it's interesting, man. It looks like we really lean into this, though, this uh, super small ball. And this is the way you want to lean. I Like, it's it's a little too rigid for both of us. We want to see Dwight play, but we're kind of happy, right, with, with them leaning into this because I think it just – it just makes everyone else on the on the team look better. It allows them to run actions that make sense. You're having, you know, Malik Monk coming off uh, two pin downs, and then you have, like, Carmelo cutting off of that. Like, it just puts your offensive players, I think, into better positions. Oh, absolutely. And then it just gives them more, you know, desire to even attempt mm-hmm. to do the job defensively, which is something you and I have been preaching about all year. The Collison thing is hilarious if you think about it because – we saw a report that came out today. Actually, it wasn't a report. I think it was a straight-up interview from Steve Nash of him saying, yeah, we're, we're not going to play Kyrie until he conditions for two weeks. And it's like, okay, meanwhile, Darren Collison, I'm, I'm pretty sure, was like some sort of youth minister before he showed, before he showed up in the, in the Lakers jersey. So, like, and he just stepped out there and started playing. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's just it, – it, that just goes to show you just how complicated this is. I mean, it's just – there's – Stepping into NBA basketball from not playing NBA basketball for an extended stretch is really difficult. It's one. It's been one of the big reasons why I've been trying to get everybody to lighten up on THT a little bit. And everyone, everyone jumped on me about the THT Drew Holiday <laughs> comparison today. But guys, guess what? Drew Holiday um, didn't make an All Defense team until 2018. I, like like Drew Holiday was was basically a guard who bounced around from team to team because everyone decided he wasn't really good enough to justify the money. And, uh, and, and he was a good player. He made an all-star team once in a week, Eastern conference in 2012. But what you saw with drew is over the course of the last few years of his career, he finally kind of found his idealized role, which is, Hey, if I'm the third best player on the team and there's not a ton asked for me offensively, I can devote all my energy to the defensive end of the floor and I can be a flat out impact player there. And that's what he's been for the bucks. And that's mm-hmm. all I was saying is like, look, man, like THT, he, he has the potential to be a guy who averages between 15 and 20 points per game and makes all defense teams to me at the guard position. That's very similar to a drew holiday type mold. And I think, I think the hilarious part about it is if I just said that exact same thing, exactly one year ago before drew won a title everyone would probably be like oh yeah it's good comp i like it <laughs> you know but that's just it just goes to show you the way that perceptions change when uh when someone wins a trophy but again like my thing with tht is is like just like i was saying with those quarantine situations it's hard to come off the street and play basketball and he went from an extensive injury that knocked him out for um the start of the season to coming into the lineup and every night it's a different game or like one night he's starting one night. He's playing with LeBron the next night. LeBron's out this time. He's going to the bench. Now Anthony Davis is out. Like his role is just constantly changing. It's been in flux. And then he goes into COVID, you know, this is just, it's just really difficult. Like you mentioned, uh, Kent Bazemore, that guy deserves a freaking do over for this whole season because he had to play all his minutes with DeAndre Jordan to start. (laughs) Poor guy. Like, come on. Like that's like, like he, he could, in theory, be just fine in a five-out system, especially since he's such a, a good, you know, single-leg leaper with that rip-through going to his left. Like, he could be devastating in that closeout attacking chain if he's the third or fourth guy attacking a closeout. Like, Bazemore deserves another shot now. And I think he's going to get it when he gets back from COVID and gets back in shape. But the point is, is like, we're basically a different team now than we were at the beginning. And... <clears throat> 
And as we, you know, this is a new style and yeah, guys like LeBron have a lot of experience running this style because he basically ran a five out type of system in Cleveland where he'd be at the four with Kevin Love. So it's not a foreign concept to him, but it is a foreign concept to a lot of the guys on this team. And it's going to take time for them to get used to it, especially on the defensive end of the floor. And I mean, you even saw that a couple of times on the offensive end. You saw it with Stanley, like Stanley cut back door late middle fourth quarter. LeBron throws him a pocket pass and mm. Stanley, Stanley kind of gives up on the cut. And it's like, that's something that he's going to learn. He can't do with LeBron. Like when you're with LeBron, you start a cut, you have to finish it because he's going to pass it to you. You know, you're going to see all of these different, and we just talked about that with Malik Monk earlier, Malik Monk getting better at understanding how to play off ball with LeBron. But that's the point. It's like, what's exciting now is over the course of this next month, they're going to lean heavily into this style and you're going to get to see them get better and better at it every day because it's new to them while also getting reinforcements in the form of quality defensive forwards like Ariza and Reeves, who both will succeed in the system. Ariza was awesome in 2018 with the Rockets and their heavy switching system and their five out system. So you're going to see a lot of familiarity with Ariza there. And then here comes Anthony Davis, who hopefully at this point, will have shed a few pounds and, and be moving pretty well and be able to <clears throat> fulfill that role as that big, versatile forward that that kind of covers up a lot of the mistakes for the other guys. But I I think you're going to see, as long as COVID doesn't maintain its you know stranglehold on the roster, and as long as other guys don't get hurt, I think you're going to see this team start trending in the right direction. I truly believe that. Yeah, me too. And I hope Taylor can also find a role in that, right? And then, like, I think if he becomes Drew Holiday, that's amazing. That's a guy that I wouldn't, I guess, trade in. Some of the trade offers I'm seeing, I just don't agree with. I mean, the Jeremy Grant stuff, I guess, kind of makes sense. Can I speak a little bit about the Russ miss dunk, though? Because I think that's interesting. Like, you know, there's been a lot of Russ miss dunks this season. And I think, you know, watching players like him face, I guess, their mortality is is a, like, really fascinating thing to watch and you know it's something been that's been happening with him i think throughout his career but just watching night tonight is interesting because their missed dunks are what get on the you know get on the house of highlights or house of lowlights whatever you want to call it but like that's where like you see all like the missed dunks and stuff like that but that kind of stuff is just to me the missed dunk is like the backdrop for the other parts of the game i think his athleticism or lack of it now uh, or the drop in athleticism that he has, it kind of impacts not getting lift at the rim anymore, right? Also, like, I think a lot of the turnovers as well doesn't get as much lift trying to go up and see over the defense. Stuff like that that I see, and I think the missed dunks are kind of just become the representation of that. But do you see that as well? Because I, I think the missed dunks are what kind of get highlighted, but I think that just that is what kind of impacts the rest of his game. You see, like, the missed dunks are just what, hi- what people highlight out. But I think it's fascinating to see, like, him try to, fixes finishing at the rim and you saw tonight like he got the left hand layup i think he wanted to go for another like big dunk but he decided let me just go for the left hand layup but i think it's just interesting to watch him because like it's a guy that you've seen be able to jump over moons you know throughout his whole career and you see it now like you see it every night and this is stuff you, was probably happening in houston and washington but we're just seeing it every night and i still think he's playing well he's played a lot better um, I think he's going to continue to play better as we go into these lineups. But I think it's just fascinating that, you know, the missed dunks are what's going to get plastered everywhere. But that's kind of the backdrop to me because it kind of impacts the rest of his game. Do you see that as well? With, with You see what I'm trying to go with there? Yeah, the, the missed dunk thing is an interesting phenomenon. It doesn't, it's not overly complicated if you think about it. Because if, if I gave you a ladder and you stared, uh, you know, and you were, your eyeballs were 
two inches above the ring and you were looking, you wouldn't see a circle. You'd see a very, very thin oval. But if you were a foot above the rim and you were looking down, you'd see the better part of a circle. And it's the same concept with dunking. When you're up there, it's easy because it's hard to miss when you're throwing it down into the rim. But when you're in that weird gray area where your hands and fingertips are barely above the rim, like a lot has to go right for that dunk to finish. You've got to be able to fit it into a much tighter window there. And what you're seeing is like Russ is operating as an athlete in that very, very small area right above the rim where the margin for error error is extremely small. And the, the problem is, is like, he, because even the one he missed tonight, the one he missed against the Nets, he wasn't even above the rim. That was just that was just embarrassing. But the one tonight, he actually was a little bit above the rim. He just, like I said, was operating in that area where it had to be perfect because it was kind of just barely his wrist above the rim. And if you don't throw it just right, it'll come off the back rim. But to your point, he just has to accept reality. That's all it is. Is you know, embracing a change in your body and understanding you have to play differently. Like Russ, you know, this is something I thought, I'm trying to remember who brought this up. It might've been Mike Trudell on the LFR pod, but finishing at the rim is so much about slowing yourself down. It's so yeah. much about, cause you need these changes of pace to beat people off the dribble. Like you need to hit the gas to beat people off the dribble. But when you actually get to the basket, it, there's such a finesse element to it. And I think that's been one of the big problems with Russ throughout his career, even, even when he was a better athlete is he just, it's always full speed at the rim. So if there's somebody who steps over to stop him, unless he's dunking over the top of him, he just struggles with the touch on those types of finishes. But what you can hope for is that hopefully as he embraces and understands that dunking is not in the picture for him anymore, or at least not very frequently, then maybe he can train himself to slow himself to slow down on those finishes. It's just this could be all pie in this guy thinking though, because he's not exactly a guy who you know is willing to accept criticism or or kind of stare reality in the face. Actually, I meant to ask you this. So this will be the last thing we hit tonight, and then we'll call it since we have another show tomorrow. But what did you think of the Russ interview yesterday? Because I thought I thought it was a pretty shocking lack of self awareness. But I wanted to hear I wanted to hear your two cents on it. Yeah, it was interesting the way it was kind of framed, right? I think it was Dave McMinimum uh, who asked him uh, about it, about the criticisms. And, you know, it was kind of weird because he mentioned, I think, Frank Vogel and he mentioned Fisdale, I believe. And then he went into a lot of people are telling me what to do and I kind of know who I am. I I was thinking he was more speaking on like just media and fans in general. Like that's because that's usually who he speaks on. Uh, But like, you know, we spoke about this when Russ came here and was traded here, like, there was there was no qualms about what was going to happen. Like Russ is going to be Russ. Like there was no changing him, and there was an adjustment period for sure. And I think we I think it's been kind of unfair because we haven't really seen the version of Russ that we kind of predicted, which is the third you know the third option, third star, uh, however you want to put it, uh, where two other guys are taking up a bunch of possessions. Uh, but again, when you have a Russ into the first or second option, like this is what. It's going to look like there's going to be bad games, four for 20 games. We predicted that before the season, and that's what that other night was against. I forgot who they played already, uh, but against Brooklyn on Christmas. So those are kind of games were going to happen. But I thought that's what it was. I thought it was him going after, you know, the media and the fans and, you know, 
in general, that's usually who he is talking to in those kind of moments. He's always been kind of, you know, I guess against media in like the last few seasons, like in ways that he talks to them and stuff like that. That's kind of how I saw it. How did you see it? So, you know, to me, it, it was jarring in the sense that I thought he, like you, you would just like to see some sort of reflection, right? So for instance, like as frustrated as we were with Frank Vogel to start the season, he at least was saying some of the right things. Like he would mention spacing in an interview or before, before he got hired or right after he got hired in his first press conference, he's like, we're going to take an outside in analytical approach, which Laker fans were dying to hear because we just went through that magic Johnson fiasco. But you, you just like to hear like, at least that he's aware of the important matters at hand. And to me, like him bringing up the 25, 15 and 15 thing was just such a, classic Russ, like your head's kind of in the wrong place, buddy kind of thing. Because like, would you ever hear, would you ever hear LeBron like come after a game and be like, you know, like I'm averaging 30, 11 and seven during this stretch. So I'm doing everything I can. Like, no, it's just like, like LeBron will be hyper-focused on like, ah, like I had these two turnovers in the fourth quarter that were very avoidable or, oh, like I missed some shots I normally make today. Or, you know, I missed some reads or I made some defensive mistakes. Like, that's the kind of thing that you would prefer to see Russ focus on is like, actually on this specific team, they don't need you to score 25, 15 and 15. If you were to average 10, 10 and 10 or hell 10, five and five, but embrace everything that this team needs out of you defensively, it would go a long way towards raising this team ceiling. Like we've talked a lot about how Russ has shot the ball better than we hoped. That's Mm. true. But he also hasn't been good enough yet and some of the finer details like tonight was another one of the many games this season where he hasn't taken care of the basketball. He's also had stretches where he's taken care of it. Well, but the point is, is Russ, like when we get to the late moments and the postseason against a really good team, like we can't afford any of those games from you. So that needs to be a, a detailed focus for you moving forward. Like critical possession late in the game today, J- Jalen green, hits another step back three, um, there he's on a little personal six Oh run. Everything's going Houston's way. He just dribbled it up the left sideline. Malik Monk slipped the pick and roll wasn't open and Russ just threw it right to the other team. And it's like, that's the kind of stuff that like, that's, that is what's going to actually hurt this team. Not mm-hmm. how well did you shoot from the field? Not, did you get 25 points instead of 20 points? Like your defensive focus off the ball, like what happened on the Patty Mills play and you making solid basketball decisions, especially at the end of games, those are the things that are going to make or break this team. And so I, I, I wouldn't take too much from the interview. I, I, I don't think Russ is going anywhere. I don't think there's any sort of larger theme there. All I'm saying is just as a fan of his and as a fan of this team, I would like to have seen a little more self-awareness from him there. Just a little bit more of like a, uh, my team needs me to not to make fewer mistakes defensively and to take better care of the basketball. That's going to be my focus moving forward. I don't care what the box score says. That's what you'd like to hear. But that said, like you can't, I mean, a guy's personality is a guy's personality. I'm not going to police that by any stretch. Just as a fan, for me watching that, I was disappointed because it just showed to me that he didn't seem to get it. And the only way we'll find out if he ever actually gets it is when the moment comes, when we end up in a, pivotal late playoff series moment against a really good team. He's either going to pay attention to those things or he won't. And if he doesn't, 
I'm going to be thinking about moments like that when he was more concerned about, you know, what Lakers fans might want out of a box, uh, out of a box score rather than the obvious, clear, tangible basketball things that we need from him, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, as long as they're having those conversations inside, which I'm sure they are, I'm sure they watch, you know, it should tell them a film and, you know, go over what he needs to do in those situations. To me, though, like it's the last thing I guess I'll, I'll say on it. This season, like, I don't want to temper Russ, right? Like, I think that's the wrong way to kind of go about this, like to try to calm, I guess, his play down. Uh, I'd rather just limit those possessions, like let, let him kind of attack in spots. And that's kind of where we've seen where this team is best, right, where we can kind of channel that energy into spots in the game. And then, you know, late down the stretch, it can be LeBron. You know, you know LeBron's staple offense basketball is just, you know, what he likes to do, which is guard screens or post-ups or whatever that is in late game. But I think during the game, like, I think try to temper him down, you know, because you're never going to get low turnover rust with high usage. Like, that's just never going to be him. He's going to attack the paint relentlessly. And a lot of that comes with, you know, out-of-control drives, out-of-control passes, which, you know, some some of them lead to really great shots. Like, some of them do lead to open looks. Some of them do lead to layups. But I think that's where you have to go with Russ, kind of, don't temper him down. Just, you know, you limit the possessions, I guess. And I think that'll work out when everyone's healthy. But we just haven't seen it. So right now we're going to get a bunch of eight turnover games, seven turnover games. Um, but you just hope that the shooting's well enough to that they can, they can kind of survive it and the defense is able to keep up with that. And I think the small ball lineup is part of it. But, yeah, I wouldn't take too much uh, for, from the interview as long as, you know, people as they're saying the right things, you know, inside the locker room and stuff. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was fascinating to see him kind of bringing up the, the 25 and 15 and stuff like that. I'm not, I want to be clear. I'm not trying to be overly critical there. Yeah. Like I, I, and again, it's, it's kind of, you could makes you feel a little uncomfortable because you feel like you're policing personalities. Like I, I also didn't like that LeBron over the course of his last few press conferences has been kind of like heav- heavily hammering home the point that we're missing <laughs> a lot of bodies. It's like, yeah, no, but like, you know, at a certain point we have to just, kind of you know take it for yeah. what it is and move he's forward. not but, wrong but it's yeah, just you want to hear it yeah for exactly sure. it's like we don't <laughs> want to hear it exactly but um anyway that's all we have for tonight guys um this is going to air on dash radio tomorrow morning at 7 a.m pacific standard time and we'll be on our podcast feed here in about 20 minutes raj and i will be back for a post-game show tomorrow and then another one on friday and then another one on sunday lots of laker basketball coming up but we appreciate your guys' support